If you've got your Bibles, turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to look at verse 14 through verse 21 this morning. I want to talk to you just simply on this thought about connecting, not because we've started the connect groups tonight, although I'll, I may say some things about that, but that's not what my message is today, connecting. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. I want you to listen to this verse here. The Bible says, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Everybody say ambassador. Ambassadors. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Father, I pray that everything that we say, God, I pray that it be beneficial to this body of people and believers today. We'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Sister Michelle. Connecting. As a body of Christ, we know that it's important for us to come together. As the body of Christ, the Lord taught us many things concerning connecting with one another, how we relate to one another. I'm going to show a little video. I, thought, I hope you've got it ready. I'm going to show you, show you a little video of, of, from a clip from the movie The Passion of Christ. In this clip, it's the scene of where the Roman soldiers are coming to get Jesus in the garden. You remember that scene, some of you. If you've never saw this movie, this may be new to you, but uh, many of you have saw this. So watch this, watch this scene real quick, and then we'll come back up and we'll finish, we'll finish the message.
when you look at that, that's a, um, that's a powerful scene when you understand everything that's, that's going on there in that, in that clip. Now, I don't know if it exactly happened just like that, that probably this movie here probably puts it in the best description, best sort of light that I've saw in movies like this. And you say, well, Pastor, I've watched that, and I've listened to your sermon title about connecting. I understand you just got through talking about that Jesus has taught us many things of how to relate to one another and all of that, and then you show this clip. What in the world has that got to do with what we're talking about today? Well, really, when you think about it, it's got everything about what we're talking about. I want you to, I want you to notice something with me. Up until this point, Jesus had invested three years into his life into these guys. He invested three years of his life into his disciples. He taught them about the true God. He taught them about how to serve him with all of their hearts. He taught them about the plan of God, how to redeem uh, their, their selves uh, in his creation through his sacrifice. He taught them <coughs> about the purpose of life. And now in this one scene, in this one climatic e event, one of them, Peter, drew a sword. He went to cut the guy's head off. I don't know what you think, but I think he went to cut the guy's head off. Missed the head and cut the ear off, and he almost blew it. Peter did. Peter almost blew it because he did not see the big picture. Now, I want you to notice something. In this story, we find a guy, Peter, who is so zealous for God. This guy is the one that Jesus says, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. This guy is the one that when the cock crowed three times, he had already, right, failed the Lord. And he had to go out and he wept bitterly. This guy is this man that was so zealous for God that he'd done things in God's name that God wouldn't even do himself. Think about it. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. He could have opened up heaven at his disposal, Brother Reigns, but he didn't. And Peter done things in God's name thinking he was doing the right thing. Boy, it sort of sounds like us sometimes, doesn't it? When God wouldn't even do it. Here Peter is thinking he was doing that right thing. And, and it wasn't the first time. You remember the story. He got in the way of Jesus in the upper room. Jesus come in. He took off his cloak, put a towel on, and he became a servant. And he got that bowl of water, and, and, he, and he knelt down, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And he got to Peter and said, Lord, you're not washing my feet. And the Lord says, well, if I don't wash your feet, then you'll have no part with me in paradise. Peter sort of changed his tune and said, well, not only my feet, but wash my hands and wash my head. In other words, wash whatever you want to wash because I want to have part with you. But in Gethsemane, at this point, it was even more dangerous than the upper room because what was at stake? Look with me in John chapter 18, verse 1. The Bible says, and when Jesus has spoken these words... He went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, and he and his disciples entered. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Who are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am he. 
And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. And when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. Do you understand the power and the authority of Jesus just by saying, I am he? The Roman soldiers understood there was something different about this guy that they even had to draw back. They pulled back, or his word knocked them back, however you want to look at it. But they drew back, and he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I've told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled while he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant ear and cut off his right ear, and his servant's name was Malchus. And Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Let me give you something to think about this morning. Do you understand that the moment that Peter pulled his sword from his chef, the moment that he took the sword in his hand and he cut off the ear of Malchus, the, the, the priest's servant, that he empowered the Roman guards, he empowered the temple guards at that moment to secure the situation with whatever force was necessary, including killing them and killing Jesus if they chose to. And if they had done that, they had circumvented the plan of Almighty God. Jesus could have called down 10,000 angels. Even when he said, I am he, they fell backwards. They had no power over him. He willingly gave his life. He connected with humanity at that moment. He connected with you and I at that moment. Hallelujah. He connected so much that you and I, that he gave us life just by that one mere moment of him doing that and not doing nothing. Hello. But Peter thought he was doing something good. Peter thought that he was doing the right thing, and it could have compromised the whole plan of God. Now, we know that Peter wasn't going to do that. You know, God's plan was going was to go ahead and take place. But when it comes to following Christ, and when it comes to being a member of his family, it's essential that you and I understand today the big picture of God's vision and the mission so that we do not substitute the good for the godly and get in the way of God. It is possible to do that. It is possible to, to, to put the good in front of the godly. Amen. Let me just give you a prime example. You've heard me say this before. We talk about family and the family of God a lot around here. We talk about how important the family is and how God instituted the family. But I grew up in a time, Brother Rames, where they thought that you put the church before the family. Now, don't let me mess you up this morning. But that's not how it's supposed to be. Is church important? Yes. Is serving God important? Yes. Is following the Lord's principle when he lays out to, 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 to assemble yourselves together important? Yes, I believe all of that. But understand, the family comes second after God. Amen. God is first, the family comes number two, and then the church. That's how we need to lay this thing out. But I grew up in a time, and I was this way myself for uh, several years, where I thought the church was so important, I had to be there every hour of the day and night. And many times I did that. And Karen would fuss at me, and she would discuss things with me, and said how I got it wrong, and I'm just saying, no, I'm doing God's work. But I failed to understand that she was right and I was wrong. Oh, you understand me? So, I, so sometimes we can, get, we can get the good doing the right thing and we miss and we circumvent the godly plan and we get in the way. 
Our job as a child of God is to simply plug in to the vision of God and to do what he's called us to do. Amen. God has given us here at Pathway a mission and a vision of Pathway ministry that we exist to honor God by connecting people, by growing believers, and by sharing hope. Everything that we do, we need to to put those three in it. We need to connect people together. We need to put people together. We need to share the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we hope and pray that we grow believers to serve the Lord Jesus Christ on a consistent basis. Amen. Amen. We first exist... We first and foremost exist to honor God. That's our job today. You're here today to honor God. You're here today to worship God. You're here today to give Him honor and praise. Amen. Amen. To honor Him, you've got to have a heart that's captured by the Lord. Anybody ever remember when you was dating that spouse of yours? And it moved from, from dating to to relationship and love and all of that into into they captivated you. You wanted to be with them all the time. You wanted to be with them constantly. I mean, every hour of the day, every hour of the night, I mean, every time you got a chance, you wanted to be with them. You wanted to be, you was captured by who they were. They looked good to you. They smelled good to you. They talked good to you. Man, they was the light of your life. Amen. I know you probably don't feel that way now. You should. But back then you did. Now you've had kids and now you've got wrinkles and now your hair is not there anymore. And all kinds of things has changed. But it's still the same old fella and it's still the same old girl. Amen. 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 And they captured your heart. Can I tell you as a child of God, we've got to have a heart that is captured by the Lord. We've got to have a heart that's captured by God, captivated, as the Bible says, as a deer that pants for water so that we will never thirst again. As a deer pants for water for the Lord, we've got to pant for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We've got to thirst. We've got to be hungry for all that he wants to give us. Amen compelled by the love of God because we're convinced of his sacrifice. We're convinced by his commitment to offer our lives as living sacrifices, not conformed to the world, but transformed from the world. Amen. And transformed by God. Okay, pastor, if that's the case, if that's the case, then how in the world do we connect? Can I tell you, we're, we're, you and I are as God's people. We've we got to help people to connect with God in faith. We've got to help people to connect to faith. Faith is this thing that's going to put us where we need to be. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? The evidence of things not seen. By it, the elders obtained a good report. By faith. Whether or not a person in this community ever darkens our door. Listen to me. Whether a person in this community ever darkens our door of this church, and we hope they do, but whether or not they do, it's essential that our lives touch theirs as a representative of Jesus Christ. Amen. Everywhere that we go, they need to see Jesus in us. Everything that we do, they need to see the love of Christ in us. Everywhere that we go, whether with the store or Walmart or the grocery store or wherever the case at business meetings, they need to see Jesus in us. Amen. That's simple. And I hope you believe what I'm talking about. That's simple because without Christ, people will die and they'll spend eternity in hell. That's just the way it is. Don't mean to be hard, but that's truth. It's very simple. The Bible is very explicit when he talks about heaven and hell. 
Without Christ, people would die, and they'll spend eternity separated from a God who loves them unless you and I do our part by living and sharing our faith. Listen to me, church. The Lord's not going to come back down here on planet Earth and walk around and preach and do miracles. Are you following me? You say, Pastor, I thought he's doing miracles all the time. Yeah, he is, but I'm talking about in bodily form. He's not going to do it. He already done it one time. So what does that mean then? He expects you and I to be his body. We are his arms. We are his feet. We are his tongue. We are his eyes. We are his mouth. We are everything that he needs us to be. And we go and we tell the message of Jesus Christ everywhere we go by word, by action, by deed, whatever it may be. Amen. Connecting people to Christ. Jesus came to this earth for one reason only, and that's to seek and to save the lost and by atoning for sin that he's blessed you and I with. Amen. And if Jesus' purpose was to enter humanity to redeem it, then it only makes sense that those of us who've received him are engaged in the same business that he was engaged in. And that's for the sake of the lost of humanity. We got to go into the world. We got to seek and we got to save the lost. They, the key concept to understand at this point is he simply asks us to go. Everybody say go. And we're going to get up here in a few minutes and we're going to go to lunch. We're going to fill our bellies up. We're going to go to the house. And when we get to the house, we're going to go to our couch or our bed and go to sleep, right? We understand go. We understand that little simple word, go. And the Lord is trying to say, hey, not only do you go eat, and not only do you leave church, and not only do you go to bed, you go for me as well. Everywhere that you go, everything that you do. Listen to me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Let me read this verse to you in another translation. It says this, the love of Christ compels to or mobilize or move us to action. To move us to action. For we are convinced of this, that one person died for all people. Therefore, all people have died. He died for all people so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died and rose for them. Therefore, if anybody is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have disappeared, and look, all things have become new. I ain't got to take time here, but let me just stop long enough to tell you. There were some of you that was rotten and dead in your sin, but today that you're saved and on your way to heaven, amen. There were some of you that, didn't, that, that, that wasn't worth saving, but the Lord saved you anyway. There were some of you that stuck in your sin, but the Lord saved you anyway, amen. Man couldn't stay with you. Your wife couldn't stay with you. Your husband couldn't stay with you. But somehow the love of Christ found you where you was at. Amen. Hallelujah. All things have passed away. All of this comes from God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. For in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself by not counting their sins against them. Amen. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore we are Christ ambassadors. We are Christ ambassadors. We are Christ ambassadors. Did you get that? You and I. We are Christ ambassadors. Ambassador doesn't mean I come to church and sit on a pew. An ambassador doesn't mean I just go to the house and do nothing. An ambassador doesn't mean I'll just hook up with you and we'll go get a soda pop. Uh-uh. That may be all right, 
But that's not what the word ambassador means. We are ambassadors as though God were pleading through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might be God's righteousness for him. He went to the cross for you and I that we didn't have to go ourselves. The cross was meant for us. But thank God he went for himself that I didn't have to go. He gave me life and gave it to me more abundantly. Amen. Well, pastor, what is an ambassador? I'll just tell you. An ambassador is somebody who represents his homeland. An ambassador is somebody who represents his homeland in a foreign, foreign land. Can I tell you to remind you, this ain't our home. I know what some of your addresses are, but that ain't your home. I know where you get your mail, but that ain't your home. I know where the postman comes to my house every day and puts mail in my pop bills in my mailbox. <laughs> Junk mail. But that ain't my home. That's not my home. It's not my home. It's one who represents his homeland in a foreign land by speaking on behalf of the nation on foreign affairs. What's my affair I need to get out? What's the message I need to get out? Jesus is Lord. He's the love of my life. He died for your sins. He died to set you free. Amen. He died to make you, give you life and give it to you more abundantly. That's the message. That's the message. It's a message of hope. It's a message of hope today. Amen. That's our, that's our message. We represent the Lord in this world to others by our words and by our actions. Through our words and actions and attitudes, you and I, we help people to connect with God. Connecting with God. I told the New Beginning class this morning, and I don't know how you are. I just gave them my, my definition of prayer. You know, sometimes prayer is hard. Can anybody identify with me? Prayer is hard. It takes me sometimes, when I really get serious about prayer, and I say, Pastor, you ought to be serious about prayer all the time. I understand that, but some of you don't, ain't serious about prayer either. I'm just not going to take this all by myself. I'm going to get, in the, get some of y'all in the boat with me. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to be littlest, but, but you know, we, we sit down and we'll pray over a meal. God bless this food, make it nourish our bodies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's eat. Right? Now, some of y'all got faster prayers than I do. And sometimes when we're real hungry, because I've been with some of you, you know, and I'll say, I'll say, Pastor, pray. Father, bless it. Amen. We'll, 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 we'll tie in there. And we have those prayers that, that, we, that, we, that we really are sincere about, but they become tradition a lot of times. They become sort of mundane prayers. But when we get down to business, you know what I'm talking about, to pray I have found with myself, Brother Range, it takes me sometimes 15 to 30 minutes before I can really pray. Well, what are you doing all up into that time, Pastor? I don't know. I'm working up to it, I guess. I'm saying a bunch of words, and, and I'm hoping that they get through the ceiling here, the spiritual ceiling. You, do you guys know what I'm talking about? When I really want to connect with God, I've got to get everything else. I've got I to get my agenda out of the way i got to get what I'm going to do tomorrow, this afternoon. i got to get all that stuff aside. And I'm going to get serious with God. It takes me 15 to 20 because prayer is hard. But when you break through, hallelujah, when you break through, prayer becomes easy. When you break through, time is irrelevant. When you break through, nothing else matters. Your communion with God, because you're an ambassador for Christ, you want to get filled with the Spirit. You want to get filled with knowledge that He wants to give you so then you can go out and influence others for Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 
They need to see Jesus in you. So if that's the case, then how do I engage then? How do I need to be reminded? Do I need to be taught on how to train my faith? Do, do I need to know the Roman road? Do I need to know the four spiritual laws? No, not really. This is what you do need to know. It's, it's, it's good that you can know that. But what you really need to know, you need to know. And I'm talking about you need to know. Look at your neighbor said, you need to know. You need to know the love of Christ. You need to know the love of Christ. Your words, your actions. Because when you know the love of Christ, everything that you do is going to communicate that. It really is. Everything that you do is going to communicate that. You've heard these little stories that I tell sometimes in Walmart parking lots. I got another one for you this past week. I went to Walmart. And talking about the love of Christ and being who you are all the time. Now, we get tempted sometimes a lot, right, to do wrong. Sometimes, sometimes it's not even our fault. It just, it's other folks' fault, but it just tempts us to want to raise this ugly anger head or whatever. I was going to Walmart, Brother Roger, and I pulled down what my, my lane. I normally pull down every time I go. I, I pull in the front of Walmart, and I make a left. I go about two or three lanes over, which is an arrow point in this direction, and I turn down that lane because that's where I normally find a parking space, and I was doing the same thing. And I was just driving up there minding my own little business, and I get up to the end because there was no parking spaces, and I was going to make a left-hand turn to go into the other lane over on the left side. And right before I did, there was this gentleman that had pulled up in front of me going this direction in front of Walmart, headed out toward Lowe's. And he was trying to get to that handicapped spot right there where I was, and he pulled right in front of me. And I put on my brakes, and I, I didn't do anything. I just sat there, and he looks at me, and he said, and I'm thinking, dude, the arrow says this way. You're going the wrong way. And I wanted to get out and show him the arrow. But I didn't. But there's things like that that will take place all of the time. You know it as well as I do. It happens to you as well. So how then can I engage with that person? You need to know where the arrow is. It's not this way. It's neither. <laughs> I've got to engage. I've got to know the love of Christ. And I've got to share the love of Christ with someone. Listen, are you aware? Are you, are you, are you, are, do, you, do you remember that, that the early church believers, they never considered themselves Christians. They never called themselves Christians. Never, they never called themselves Christians. They considered themselves believers. They considered themselves Christ followers. To be a Christian simply means to be Christ-like, Right? Sometimes I wonder if we can really call ourselves Christians by our actions, by what we do. But they consider themselves to be Christ followers. Christ followers. That term Christian, it was given to those whose lives actually reflected the life and the teaching of Jesus by a pagan world. Not the Christian world, by the pagan world and an unbelieving world. Listen to me, church. My job and your job is not to convict my job and your job is not to judge. My job and your job is not to convince or even to convert. That's God's job. That's God's job. We are simply to convey the message of Jesus Christ. Amen. We got to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. We got to share the message of love with somebody that's lost and dying and does not have a clue what, what, what tomorrow is going to bring. Amen. They don't have a clue. You get those opportunities every week. Many of you do. You have an opportunity to minister and speak 
Share the love of Jesus Christ wherever you may go. It's not hard to do that. It's not hard to share the message of Jesus Christ. It's impossible to not talk about something that or somebody that you love. We, got, we all do that. If it's something we value, if it's something that we love, if it's something that we really appreciate, we're going to talk about it, right? Some of you love hunting. Some of you love fishing. Some of you love doing all kinds of things. You will talk about those things. And if we love God with all of our heart and we love God with all of our soul and our strength in our lives, we'll live it with our mouth. And we begin to share with actions and all of those things. So then how do I begin then connecting people to God, Pastor? How do I begin doing that? Very simple. You've got to do what I, do, what I have to do every day. I've got to fall in love with the Lord every day. I've got to fall in love with Him over and over. I keep falling in love with Him over and over, right? It gets better and better, more wonderful as the day go by. We've got to fall in love with Jesus. And we intentionally engage people for the purpose of influencing them for Jesus Christ. Influencing them for Jesus Christ. Now, you already know this, but let me just, let me just tell you anyway. I don't care what kind of conversation you get involved with with, with a person. You can engage them about, uh, concerning Jesus. But sometimes we've got to recognize this, this thing about evangelism and discipleship. It, it, it takes time. It takes time to deal with somebody. It takes time to talk with somebody. You don't have to, you don't have, you don't have to just get your big Bible and beat it over their head. They're, they're not probably going to accept Christ if you do that. But if you love them, if you love them through it, if you love them in their, in their junk, if you love them in their mess, they're going to come more out listening to you, right? They're going to listen to you. I like to think of, 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 of it's a, a, way, a way of investing and inviting people, making an investment in their life with the hope that they, too, will find Christ, that the hope that they, too, will find Christ. The, listen to me. The, the, the Christian life is not just a matter of believing. Now, we have to do that. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? The Bible says believe on him, believe on him, believe on him. It's not, but it's not just a matter of believing. It's also a matter of belonging to something, belonging. And here's, here's the key here. If you don't hear nothing else I've said, then listen to this point right here. It's not, it's not a matter of believing. It's also a, a matter of belonging. And here's the key. You and I, we have to choose to belong. If you don't want to choose to be a part of my group, then I can't force you. If I don't want to be a part of your group, I can't, you can't force me either, right? I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make him drink. You have to choose to belong. Now, here's, here's the problem that I have sometimes with church folk. And, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, let, me just, let me just give a little plug for connect groups tonight. Some of you guys think, and I, and I hope there's not a very, uh, 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 I hope it's not a lot of you. <laughs> That'll help me a whole lot. <laughs> some, some of you have made the statement, and I've heard making the statement, and I don't take it wrong, trust me, that he's taken away our Sunday night services. Let me, let me remind you of something last fall that I said. I, I, was, I, I was brought up in church. Brother Keith, that's, that's my whole life. Dad took us to church, sometimes Richard, I got sick of going to church. I just got to be honest with you. Why is it we got to go to church now? I got a revival here. And it's not, you know, he had all kind of revivals, but then he's going to take us to revivals to other churches. I don't want to be a part of them other revivals. It's okay, ours is okay, but you, you understand my point? It was all the time where we felt like we never had time to do nothing as a kid. I can't go play football, and I can't go ride motorcycles, and I can't go fishing because I got to go stinking church tonight. Just being honest with you. 
And I'll tell you what that taught me is a valuable lesson that I really didn't understand at that point. But it underst- I understood, now, I understood the value of what they were trying to do, of, of, of put into us kids the value of what it means to go to church and be a part of, of God's people, right? And we, and we, and we say, well, we're taking away Sunday, and I love Sunday night services. I love Sunday morning services. I love Wednesday night services. I love all of those kind of things. But, but here's the thing, and I, I, need, I need somebody to help me. Brother Larry, if you don't mind, come here. I, I done told a lie on you that you wasn't here. Yeah, it's you, the one that snuck in on me. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, but it's you. I, I told everybody you wasn't here today, and I turned around, and I heard your little loud mouth. And there you are. <laughs> now look, here, th- y'all know this guy. He's been here long enough you know him, but you'll get my point when I say this. When he first came, his first, his first uh, understanding of this church was at Walmart, right? It was with Karen. Karen was walking in Walmart. She had, I don't even know what kind of shirt. Do you remember what kind of shirt? It was just a Christian T-shirt that had some kind of Christian saying on the back of it, and he, and he read the shirt. And he goes up to her and makes some kind of statement about the shirt and you know, liking what the, the, the shirt says and all that. So they started a conversation. So she invited him to come to the church. He was, he was moved here to do, a, to do a work, sort of a, one of those moving kind of working relationships, you know, work here for six months and have to go somewhere else. And so he came to church. He's been here ever since. And when he first came, I didn't know him. But I would go up and I would shake his hand and say, Hey, Brother Larry, I knew his name. It's good to see you. Good to have you tonight at church. And that was all that there was to it. Still talking about connecting now. You, you, you're following me. And so he may have given out a prayer request in those early days. I need to pray for this, pray for that. I said, okay, we'll pray for you. And I did pray. But I didn't pray like somebody who knew him. Are you following me? Or connected with him. But as time went on, I got to know him. And we've been able to sit around a table. We've been able to talk together. We've been able to cry together. We've been able to laugh together. We've been able to talk about the Word of God together. And now, today, I know Him better than I knew Him earlier. And so now when He comes and says, Hey, Pastor, I just want to let you know I need you to pray for this. My prayer changes. They say, Well, Pastor, that's a little hypocritical, ain't it? Say what you want to. You do it too. You know you do. You know good and well, you pray for your child more so than you pray for mine. Shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. We, that, it's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's, that's who we are. That's what we do. But you understand what I'm saying? I, I know this man now, and now he called me up the other day, and he said, I got laid off, and I'm going to have to go back to Oklahoma, and my heart sort of sunk. Yours. <laughs> Thank you. Because I have got used to him saying Hallelujah. I've got used to listening to him in my right ear sitting on that front pew saying, praise the Lord. I've got used to hearing him speak in tongues sitting on that pew. Are you following me? And there's going to be a void missing because now I know him and I can pray for him better. That's what we're talking about, about connecting with one another. And if we come to church all the time on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night and I just shake your hand and everything is cool and everything is all right and we do that same cliche, oh, I'm doing well, I'm doing good, knowing all the time we're, our life is in a mess. But when I can sit around a table with you in a connect group like we've done over these last three different sessions, I don't know about your group, I'm just talking about mine. I'm telling you, we've had some intense conversations. We've had some moments where the Spirit of God has just fell among us. 
and started ministering to us. And we begin to weep. And we begin to share those hurtful things, those deep things with one another. Now, now I'm, I'm learning something as the body of Christ. Now I'm connecting with you as an individual. Now I'm connecting with you as a, as a child of God. Now I'm connecting with you on a more intense more uh, intense level at a closer level than I ever had before. So I understand you're not wanting Sunday night. I, I get all of that, missing it. I, I get it. But listen to me, church. Please hear me as your pastor. The Lord laid this on my heart. I didn't do this by myself. It took me two years. If you remember, I told you last fall to have a nerve up to do it because that's not what my tradition was. But I'm going to stand right here and say I'm glad that I'm doing it right now. It may not always stay this way. Until if it don't work no more, we ain't going to do it. But now it's still working. And God is doing some things in our midst, and he's bringing us closer together. Yeah, we're going to come back together from time to time, and we'll, we'll have church together. We've planned some services together where we'll, we'll sing and we'll preach and we'll do all these kind of things that we love doing. But I, I hope and pray as we connect with one another through these groups, and I hope you get involved with these things. I'm telling you, it's one of the most powerful things that I believe we've ever done in a long time. We can talk, and we're going to talk about finance, but look, it's not just all about finance. It's about connecting together. Amen. It's about connecting together. And so we've got to choose to belong. Choose to belong. Choose to belong. I was telling him, Keith, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I was talking with Keith the other day, and he said, Brother Danny, I can't remember Scripture like you can. I can't retain those Scriptures like, like a lot of people. I said, I don't want you to. I just want you to be you. People just want you to be you. Be normal. Don't be fake. Don't be something that you're not. But let us come together and let us be one another. The second point is, and I'm closing with this, connecting to family. We've got to connect. We've got to connect. We've got to connect to family. Belonging is that most basic level of fellowship or that entry level, if you will. Identifying with family, with a family of believers. Every Christian, every Christian, listen to me. Every Christian, if you, if you don't need this, I need to talk to you after church because I, I need to pick your brain a little bit. But every Christian needs a local body of believers where they can grow and where they can serve. Every one of us. We got to have it. We got to have you. I got to have you. You got to have me. We got to have one another. We need one another. We got to have one another to grow and to serve. Iron sharpening iron. Ideas floating all around. That, that, but belonging doesn't just fall upon somebody that's visiting to our church. Listen to me, church. I'm not talking about visitors right now. I'm talking about you, you members. Belonging doesn't just fall on the person visiting. In fact, the only responsibility of the visitor is to come and give it a try. Belonging falls upon you as members of this church to make somebody feel welcome, connecting with one another. The key to connecting and I don't like saying this. Boy, I don't like it at all. But I'm going to say it. The key to connecting with our church is not our worship services. The key to connecting is not even my preaching. Shoot. It's not even my preaching. The key to connecting is not even our programs. It's not any of those things. These, these things may get people in the door, but they ain't going to make them stick. You do. You and I do. And if we are not doing our part, Y'all don't get mad at me now. If we just sit at the house, if we just feel like I ain't doing nothing, then you ain't doing your part. 
And for him to know what to do good. <laughs> Y'all know that scripture too? Okay. People come to the church for God. We know that. We understand that. But the secret ingredient that gets them to stay in a particular church and relationships that develop. Jesus was trying to teach Peter, and, he, and, and Brother Randy was trying to teach his disciples that. And Peter got in the way. And the moment he took that sword and cut that guy's ear off, he almost messed up. He almost blew it. He was trying to circumvent. He didn't even know it. See, he, he didn't know what was going to happen, but the soldiers, they had every opportunity at that point to kill Jesus, to kill them and destroy the plan of God. At that moment, Peter didn't know what was going to happen. Instead, he thought he was doing the right thing, but he got in the way of God's ultimate plan. What are we doing today? What are we doing today? Listen to me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You belong. You belong. You belong. And because we serve this gracious God, because we serve this loving God, because we serve this accepting God, you and I should be eager to help others connect to a church family that focuses on God and teaches God's Word and accepts people with grace into the family, even though they may not look like them. We've got to be engaging. We've got to be accepting. We've got to be friendly. People need to know that we really care. Listen to me. Brother Roger's phone, as our head greeter, him and Sister Kathy, as our head greeters, and I'm not going to ask him because I know the answer to this already, but their phone ought to ring off the hook for people said, hey, I want to welcome folks into my church, and I want to smile when I do it. <laughs> but I ain't going to ask Brother Roger's his phone been ringing off the hook because I know the answer. We've got to be engaging. We've got to be engaging. If we're going to be a connecting church, we've got to be inviting. We've got to be accepting. We've got to be a friendly. If we love and believe our church, and we want others to come as well. We want others to come as well. Let me help you with something. Cordial and nice are not the same thing as engaging and accepting. Cordial and nice is just what I demonstrated to you a while ago. Brother Larry, good to have you tonight. Appreciate you being here because I didn't know it. That's cordial and nice. But now I can be engaging and accepting because I know him. I've got to know him. And I made a point to get to know him. He made a point to get to know me. He made a point to come to these groups. He made a point to do these things. I made a point to come to the group. I made a point to engage with people. So it takes more than just a handshake. It takes more than just a smile. Don't, don't just shake a hand. Sit down with somebody. Talk to them. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Take responsibility. Let me remind you of something. I'm going to close. Jesus invested three years of his life into these guys. And Brother Adam, there was three of them that he spent a little more time with. Peter, James, and John. Spent a lot of time with. He took them to prayer. Asked him to fast with him. Showed them miracles. There was an inner circle. He spent three years of his life. I want that to sink in just a little bit. He spent three years of his life and his disciples. He taught them about God. He taught them about servanthood. He taught them about the plan of God to redeem mankind. He taught them. And one of his most closest companions 
one of his most closest buddies. One of those inner circle, those three, almost blew it. Almost blew it. Because he thought he was doing the right thing. He didn't see the big picture. The question I want to leave with us today is do we? Do we see what God is trying to show us? Do we honestly see what he's trying to do with us in these last days? Are we so caught up in our activities that we have missed opportunities to tell somebody about Christ? And I hope you take this, what I'm fixing to say, don't take this wrong. Please don't take this wrong. Please don't take it wrong because I'm not meaning it in an ugly way. But I want to draw your attention to something. Are we so caught up in our traditions of church that we miss the opportunities God gives us to get to know one another and to share with one another and to honestly, genuinely care for our brother and our sister that's hurting today. So here's the, here's the, here's the thing that we need to understand. There's people that's sitting out here right now that you're sitting by possibly that's hurting, that you have no clue what they're going through because nobody has taken the time just to sit down around a table and talk to them. Because nobody has went to their house and broke bread. Because nobody has taken the time just to say, hey, let's go out, grab a bite to eat. I just want to share with you. There are some of you that God has laid people on your mind right now and in the past that you've still yet to do nothing with. You've not went to them. You've not shared nothing with them. You've not taken them out. You've done nothing. I want to tell you something. You're missing what God is trying to get to happen in his, in, in his church in the body of Christ if God has laid somebody on your heart you better go you never know what you may be involved in you never, you never know what you may be getting them out of hello do we see what God is doing do we see what God is doing are we so caught up in our own activities that we miss opportunities to tell somebody about Christ with all heads bowed and eyes closed very quickly very quickly Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that what I've said today is okay. I pray that what I've preached today, Lord, for you is okay. I, I hope you're okay with it. If you're not, then somehow let me know. And I'll apologize. I'll correct it. I'll do whatever I need to do, Father. I just want to be open before you and this people. God, if I know my heart today, my heart is okay with you. If I know my heart today, I'm ready. Should you call me home? And Lord, I'm asking you if there's anything in there that doesn't belong, take it out. If there's anything in my life today that shouldn't be there that causes me conflict, with others then take it out if I've done anything to offend one of your sheep forgive me forgive me Lord and I pray that they forgive me as well so that we can rectify the wrong that's my intention is not to hurt anybody my intention today oh God is to call us back to where you want us to be Sometimes, God, we're like old Peter. We find ourselves doing the good thing. 
and we miss the godly thing that has been set up that you've already planned out for us. Lord, I believe with all of my heart the day I was born, already even before, really, you've, you've created and you've planned my path for me to follow. You've ordered my footsteps. I wished I could say that I've followed those all the time, but I haven't. I've got off track sometimes. I've not connected when I need to connect. I've not entered in to the throne room when I needed to enter in. Father, I'm sorry about that. But I pray now, God, that you would help me to see everything that you want for me to do. Help me to start from where I am today. It doesn't matter my past. It doesn't matter where I've come from. It doesn't matter what I've, what I've done. But, Father, today, help me to begin today on a walk and a life with you. Help me today, Father, to structure my walk with you. That will be pleasing to you. That I can hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Come, and I'll make you ruler over many. Lord, I don't want to hear you say, depart from me. I never knew you. It would be a sad thing for me to be preaching all these years, all these sermons, talking to all these people, and on the final day, hear your words that says, I never knew you. What a sad day and an awful day that would be. But God, I realize today that I can come to church all the time and still be lost and not know you. Help us, oh God, be engaging. Help us to connect today. Help us to do what you've called us to do in Jesus' name. With all heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you something today, church. Do you know him? Are you doing just good things and you're missing the godly? Are you doing those things that you feel like that God wants you to do, but it's, it's not pleasing to the Father? It may be good, but it's not pleasing Him today. Are you saved? Are you born again? Have you surrendered your walk? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus today? Or have you sold out to Him? Have you sold out to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? If you haven't, then this altar is open for you. If you haven't, then God wants to meet you today. He's asking you to come today. He's desiring His people to be sold out today. He's desiring you to be sold out to love Him, to honor Him, to follow Him, and then to lead others to Christ as well. Are you doing that? Are you doing that, church member? Are you still on fire for God from when you first met Him? Do you still have that zealous feeling that, that you can tackle anything? But when God first saved you and took the weight of the world off your shoulders, if it's not, then... You need to be in this altar today. Well, pastor, I, I teach a class. I don't care. Pastor, I'm on the church council. I don't care. If you're not where you need to be with Christ, you need to be up. And you need to be in this altar today. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. They may get ready to sing a little something to you or play. 
But when you stand, don't stop the motion. Get out of the pew and get to the altar where you know you need to be. I'm not going to hold you long, but I want to give you opportunity today to surrender and to sell out yet one more time to Jesus Christ. To Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? All over this house. All over this house. That's you. I want you to come. Thank you, Jesus. I can't. Thank you, Jesus.